0: Hi, I'm Shreen Patek, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week I talk to executives who are changing the marketing playbook for the industry one decision at a time. Shopify has been one of the fascinating companies during this entire direct-to-consumer boom. Founded more than 15 years ago, the now 25 billion with the B dollar company has turned into the business powering the digitally native brands upending the marketplace. The idea is simple. If you want to sell something, Shopify will for a fee help you sell it. And the next move is to go after the big brands That's the topic of today's podcast. My guest is Hannah Abaza, who runs marketing at Shopify Plus, the company's enterprise-level effort that crystallizes its pitch. We're not just for the small brands, we're for the big ones, too. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to Making Marketing. Hello. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you to talk about one of what I think is the most fascinating companies that I've written about in the last year. Um, And I want to kind of go back a little bit because it was interesting to me because we you know, obviously Shopify was growing, growing, growing. Um, it, it felt though, like in some ways, like last year was the year it came out. And maybe it was, maybe it was a certain Jenner that, <laughs> that made it happen. Or maybe it was just kind of that you guys decided to sort of come out and say, here, here, here's what we've been building. Here's what we've been doing. Here's what we've been mm. powering um, for the last few years. So I actually wanted to start with, wanted to start with your role, because I think it's evocative and indicative of the evolution the company's gone through Mm -hmm. Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about those Jenners and all the other amazing businesses (laughs) you're powering. But let's start with your role. What do you do? Uh,
1: Sure. So I'm the head of marketing for Shopify Plus which is the division in Shopify that really uh, works with those larger merchants, those bigger brands, uh, even Fortune 500s in some cases. Um, So for those of you that sort of know Shopify as, you know, the e-commerce platform that powers those small businesses and entrepreneurs definitely still do that but, you know, over the last few years, we've definitely started to stretch up market and, and start to
0: work with some of those big brands. So what is that? Um, so what does that really mean? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you've, you you do have, and I think this is surprising for people because I think there is this, you know, idea that Shopify, oh, the mom and pops, the small businesses, and then the DTC brands that have obviously grown into way sure. past, beyond mom and pop stores. But I don't think a lot of people sort of understand or know kind of what that really means when you're talking about, you know, the record bedstickers of the world, right? Absolutely.
1: And it's actually fascinating because it's so closely coupled to just what we're seeing in terms of the evolution of commerce, right? So, when you look at Shopify, um, and you are very familiar with Shopify, I mean, I think you've been following it for a little while, and it's it's funny to hear you say, last year was the coming out party, because it's sort of one of those things where, you know, sometimes it feels like an overnight success, but really it's years <laughs> and years and years in the making. Um, and, you know, for those that are familiar with Shopify, they know that, you know, years and years ago when, you know, Toby first founded the company, it really was focused on that small business segment of the market, right? And Shopify grew really, really big, really, really fast by focusing on that segment of the market, right? And that was by design. And that was by design. Um, we wanted to focus on entrepreneurs, and we still do, and we still wholeheartedly believe in uh, supporting entrepreneurs and giving them a level playing field so they can start their businesses. Um, but a really interesting thing started happening. As Shopify grew really, really big, really, really fast, um, and I mean, I I won't spout the numbers. You guys can go look them up. The, the They're big just speed And the speed at which it grew was bananas. Um, I am in Shopify and it I still blows my mind. Um, but... As we grew, we actually started seeing some of those small businesses also get really, really big, really, really fast. Okay, um, which was actually really interesting for us. And you would see these small businesses that were initially starting out on Shopify all of a sudden become these really large companies uh, operating at you know a really big scale, tens of millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars a year, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And at that point in time, one of two things would happen: either they would quote unquote graduate to an enterprise e-commerce software of some kind. Or they'd figure out a way to make it work on Shopify. Okay, So we kind of looked at that, and we were like, oh, interesting. So if we wanted to support these merchants through that stage of growth, if we wanted to help keep them on Shopify longer, what is the product, what is the service, what is the offer that we need to give them in order to
0: do that? Mm-hmm. And that was really the first iteration of, of Shopify Can you give Plus? me an example of, I don't know, one of those businesses, that maybe one that you can remember, um, and I'm sure there were so many, That mm. and what those needs were? Because I think it's interesting when you say, again, quote, unquote, graduate. What, how did their needs change specifically? Absolutely. Um, and, and this is something we talk about so much at Shopify Plus.
1: Really great example of this is uh, gym, uh, Gymshark, uh, which you might be familiar with. Athletic wear, uh, based in the UK, has been expanding tons globally, uh, started off on Shopify, as a small entrepreneur, uh, the founders were making the clothes in their basement, right? Like, literally it's like sewing that, like, them together. entrepreneur
0: story, <laughs> absolutely, right? Absolutely. <laughs>
1: absolutely. In an industry where it is highly competitive, like... Uh, athleisure wear and leisure wear and athletic wear, all, all of that, right? Um, you wouldn't immediately look at that and say, hey, huge opportunity or white space. Um, and and they just exemplify such a great example of a company that sort of was born on Shopify, scaled um, and really actually were able to eventually come to Shopify Plus and really understand that uh, we were there to support them. And specifically, some of the things that become harder as you start to grow to those scale uh, uh, there's the table stakes stuff, obviously. You're doing more volume. So, you know, reliability, security, all the sure. software, techie sure. stuff.
0: Which is what happens when you just get bigger.
1: That just happens when you get bigger. Um, and you need to be able to just fully trust and rely on the platform that you're using to just deal with it. Right. Um, you know, otherwise, like you're going to have unhappy customers. You're going to have a whole bunch of stuff that you need to deal with. Um, but beyond that, uh, when you get to that size and scale, you really start to see your business model change in terms of how complex things become. Hmm. Um, and I might go on a bit of a marketing tangent rant here, sure. a little bit, but love it. Um, rant. I love the yeah, word rant. rant. Oh. This podcast is all about rant. So, so the way most companies and most marketers and most people look at segmenting a market is by revenue or by size, right? So when you look at, you know, how Gardner looks at the enterprise market, they look at it by saying, Hey, it's X amount in revenue and this many employee sizes. While those things might be indicators, I think that's actually the worst way to actually figure out sort of your market and what they need. And what we've actually come to learn is is it's actually about complexity, right? So you get to that size and scale, the things you need to do in order to continue to grow just become more complicated, either by design, because they need to be, because you're expanding to geographies. You need to start taking different currencies. You need to start localizing uh, your product content, all of that kind of stuff. Or it's complexity that you don't really have control over, and you want to start to try and simplify, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you need to open multiple shops. You need to actually start to experiment with offline. You need to actually start to add many more users to your account, mm-hmm. because now you have way more employees. Uh, and how do you manage that? You need to start integrating with other types of Software that run your business. Um, so, I, you know, without going too down a rabbit hole, uh, it really was about taking a look at these merchants and really understanding. Okay, sure, they're bigger, right? But solving for scale doesn't mean just solving for big. It actually means solving for complexity, which is really the thing that we're trying to do. And what
0: about and what about the big one, which is you know, I sort of akin to Mm -hmm. you know we've covered kind of advertising for so long and we sort of you know talk here about the way Google and Facebook kind of shaped the advertising industry as we know it as far as I can tell you know Shopify is one of those companies that's shaping retail yeah in a lot of ways the decisions you make because you're also making them when you have very very small customers who don't know a lot of what's going on they're Mm -hmm. just starting out businesses it has an effect how do you then once they let's let's call it that graduation Mm -hmm. I I like that term so Mm -hmm. someone comes in they've been Shopify um, users, they've grown their business on Shopify. Then they realize they need to plus. They need mm. to get to the plus. What they need to plus. So we're going to turn plus. it into a verb. I love they just that. They need to plus. <laughs> um, so they're plussing. And is there is there a service layer that yeah, comes onto it? Because it question. seems like an obvious obvious place. Also, from a, from a business perspective, it seems it's like an obvious step. thing to. Charge for
1: yeah, absolutely. So I mean, when you look at how uh, the Plus product and the Plus offering, and, and there is a service component to that as well, has evolved over time. Um, it really has changed pretty dramatically. Initially, it was some product differentiation to accommodate for those you know those challenges that those merchants were meeting at scale. But it really was also, hey, you have an account manager now. You have a dedicated point of contact. They're going to help you navigate all of this stuff. That's hugely valuable for those types of entrepreneurs mm-hmm. that are really just getting to that point where. They're, they now feel as though, you know, they're not early entrepreneurs anymore. They now feel as though they're running businesses, mm. right? Um, and they identify differently. And the, the interesting piece is, you know, as we were going through that trajectory where, you know, you saw Shopify growing, you saw the small businesses growing, you know, you kind of introduced Plus as an experiment, really initially to just help keep keep those merchants on Shopify and help serve them better. But we actually saw another thing happen there, um, which ultimately has made us better and stronger as a company. We also started seeing people from those enterprise e-commerce platforms come back over to Shopify Plus. The ones who had graduated but yeah. outside. The ones who had graduated or the ones who had just never been on Shopify. They were just big.
0: So and then they that's a new customer over. base. And that's a new customer base. So let's talk about that because that's obviously a large part of what you do. Absolutely. Um, and you're not just working with you know mom and pop stores who graduate and become businesses, you're working with mm-hmm. giant, giant companies. Why do they need you? Oh, that is a great question. Uh, they're big companies, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, I think a Big. So
1: let me step back for a second and talk a little bit about the types of customers we see on, on Shopify Plus. Um, and you know, we definitely see, as you mentioned before, those D 2 C brands, right? Uh, you know, the Allbirds of the world, the Outdoor Voices of the world. Um, they're leveraging Shopify, and they are almost who you would think would be on Shopify, right? Like that's not really surprising for people. I
0: mean, they're also they're also The sort of poster children for this, aren't they? I mean, they're also you're also great partners with them, and you have lots of events with them, and all that. Absolutely, absolutely,
1: and they are also kind of on that forefront of D 2 C, which I know I know we want to talk about. Um, But what's really interesting is as you actually start to take a look at the broader commerce market in general, there's a couple of other groups there that are sort of starting to see the light a little bit. Um, And I think the difference is you have these companies that I would consider like the new type of enterprise right and then you have these companies that are sort of the fortune 500 the traditional models they're pretty stuck in their ways Um, and a lot of them are actually trying and looking to evolve so we're actually seeing traditional retailers Mm -hmm. starting to say hey like direct-to-consumer seems to be a thing online surprisingly, seems to be a thing. Um, How do we do that in a way where we can leverage the tech that's best out there, rather than having to build it and own it ourselves? Um, And you're seeing these really interesting, very entrepreneurial-minded people within those really large companies actually coming to us being like, hey, we want to act and move with speed and agility like those entrepreneurs, like those D2Cs. So why don't we we use the tools they're using? So why don't we use the tools we are using?
0: Great. And we're going off onto this tangent, but I love this tangent because I think it brings up. A really interesting topic of do you own stuff or mm-hmm. do you work with partners? And mm-hmm. I think you've seen the pendulum, depending on whatever industry you're talking about, shift all the time. Sure. Um, and you know, I was just thinking about sort of okay, McDonald's buying a company called Dynamic Yield yes. for 300 million and yes. saying We're, we we want to do it ourselves because I think you're also seeing a lot of brands wanting to control more of that. They that don't was such just, an interesting acquisition, right? And to me, a big obviously there was there's obvious reasons for it, but the ownership mm-hmm. part to me was just like okay, so they're willing to spend not for McDonald's, okay, but a pretty good amount of money on mm-hmm. wanting that control, wanting to own it. And we've seen sort of a bunch of those kinds of acquisitions. So mm-hmm. on the retail front, you're also seeing a need for control. But what you're saying is you're also seeing a willingness to relinquish having to own it all and do it all yourself. So, so where I, does this Yeah. Out? So I think that there's a difference between control and ownership, right?
1: I think what, uh, what the conversation really boils down to is Do you really want to spend time, money, effort, resources building the infrastructure? Or do you want to leverage the infrastructure that someone else has built with the expertise that they've built it and own the relationship with the customer, own the interaction, own the experience, control the experience, right? Um, So, which is really, you know, another thing we talk about sort of Shopify Plus and, and kind of why we have it as, you know... You know this thing that caters to these large merchants. A big part of it is customization. These large merchants really want to have the flexibility within the platform to really customize and control the customer experience. Because at the end of the day, that's how they're interacting with their customer. That's the relationship with their customer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think customer experience means a very different thing depending on who you talk to, right? Um, although everyone uh, likes to talk about although it. <laughs> every, everyone likes to talk about it. And you know, it, there's you know, with something like commodities, the customer a good customer experience can be what's the fastest way to Get the thing from here to here. Like, get me the thing as soon as possible. But when you talk about a lot of these brands that actually stand for something, that actually are mission driven, that actually want to create these connections with their customers, I think the amount of attention to detail that goes into crafting those experiences is Mind-blowing. I mean, Allbirds is a wonderful example yeah. of this. Um, if you've ever been on their website, it's absolutely beautiful. They do a f- like phenomenal job. If you've ever walked into their store, right? Um, also, very much an Allbirds experience. And if you've ever unpacked the box (laughs) they don't even give you the actual (laughs) box yeah yeah it's like this crazy yeah so
0: um you know i think ultimately you know a lot of it comes down to that so i think so they're controlling their experience because it's their brand totally but why bother i mean i like that idea of infrastructure versus why build the infrastructure well let's talk about the mcdonald's thing just because i feel like that's Mm -hmm. and that's not the only example there's plenty of other companies maybe closer in the retail space doing this where does kind of this line then really fall because it could fall in a bunch of places because you could say you want to own your own data for example sure Um, and a lot of DTC brands like the reason they've been so great is because they've been they've from day one had a direct line to their customers and Mm. they've owned their own data they haven't had wholesale relationships from the beginning and they might be going to them now with the knowledge that they already know their customers Mm. so that's been a way that they've been successful so when we talk about legacy, retailers looking at them and saying, oh, we also want to be like them. That feels like step one. Is there, I mean, do you have to, I don't know, convince people that, hey, we're <laughs> we're infrastructure, we're not, don't worry, you're not giving anything up when you choose to work with us. This actually help you. Yeah. Is this a
1: conversation you have to have? I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's really about understanding what's most important to them, right? Um, and uh, at the end of the day, we might not be the right fit. Like, if, if you really do want to build all the things Peace, go go go! Do that. (laughs) Will you help Um, them do that? uh, We won't help them do that. Okay, no, and we won't build it for them. (laughs) That's the one place. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the one place. And I mean, I'm sure there's you know those like more traditional enterprise software companies might do something like that. Um, But you know the the thing that a lot of these companies, whether they're you know Fortune 500s and CPGs that are actually coming to Shopify and wanting to launch brands on Shopify, like Unilever, Nestle, uh, PepsiCo, right? Um, They're using Shopify to launch. Uh, a lot of their brands and what they're really prioritizing is speed to market right Mm. it's agility it's getting that relationship with their customer Um, and uh, you know while a lot of traditional enterprises will kind of poke at us a little bit and be like, hey, we want you to be more like enterprise software, like build us all the things, customize stuff for us. We kind of poke back and we're like, hey, you need to be more like entrepreneurs, right? Right. Um, So I
0: I think that's sort of always the ongoing dialogue (laughs) that's happening. (laughs) I think it's a good, it's just everyone poking each other is the image I'm getting away from it. Um, Give me an example. I think, you know, a lot of people might not know that sort Mm of, yes, in your work, uh, you've also worked with the Unilevers of the world. But um, how do they use you? Pick, pick your favorite example. And tell us. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, they use us in a variety of different ways. Uh, sometimes it's very experimental. It's like, hey, we want to try this D2C thing <laughs> that seems to be working for folks. <laughs> that thing I keep hearing about on digital. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so they'll use us literally to launch an experiment around a specific brand. Uh, sometimes they'll they'll just use it as the platform to go to market with D2C. So great example, um, we have uh, CoverGirl recently. Launched like a direct to consumer lipstick type brand um, and put that into market direct to consumer. Uh, and they're only going to sh- sell it. For online. that specific, yeah, for that specific line, um, and you know that's the first step in sort of a direct-to-consumer play that they're doing. Um, we've seen multiple examples of leveraging it for sh- like shorter-term campaigns, for holiday campaigns. Uh, Budweiser did a campaign around oh, what was it? Uh, Red Light, I believe, and they they actually sold beer online. They also did a similar campaign in uh, Argentina. I think it was like mm-hmm. a Beers of the World type of thing. Uh, Ford. Strangely, this is an to sell interesting a car. one. Yeah, this is an interesting <laughs> one. So, typically, when you hear CPG, you hear direct to consumer. You he- you think beauty, you think nice. fashion. Yeah, beverage, food, and bev. Um, Ford in Europe is selling performance parts direct to consumer.
0: That makes so much sense. Totally,
1: dealers are just uh... totally. Um, Very cool. So, I think it's interesting, and I think uh, I think a lot of these big companies are figuring out interesting ways to leverage so it.
0: What does it mean? This is mm. going to be existential. Okay. What does it mean really to be direct-to-consumer? Because honestly, it's starting to get a little confusing. You've got Allbirds, mm-hmm. which is direct-to-consumer, but has a store now. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. You've got all of the other brands who mm. started direct-to-consumer, but also are on Target now. Sure. Um, but they're also still using Shopify and their own sites and all of that to also sell. They've But their channels are coming to 50 50 maybe even now becoming retail heavy they're becoming wholesale Mm -hmm. they still insist on you know yes they're still in the DTC market but to me DTC has become a little bit of a misnomer right like it's not even really a real it's not even real anymore other than as a launch strategy you start Mm -hmm. DTC and then you become something else and you guys are really interesting to me in this because You've recently launched so much more physical products. Mm-hmm. You are now helping these brands go into physical spaces, do things that they weren't doing in day one. Um, mm-hmm. So you're seeing that trajectory happen, and you're evolving along with it. Mm-hmm. So where does this market end up? Everything's starting to look the same. Yeah,
1: I mean, you're right. I, this is kind of starts to get existential. Uh, I can give you my view on it. Um, you know, from my perspective, direct to consumer is almost a mindset, right? Um, and I don't think it started that way. Right? I think it started very much as a, as a business model. And I think it was um, sort of the catalyst and a fundamental shift in how a lot of companies um, structure their business and model their business out. Um, but, but there still are some pretty, I think, market differences in the approach uh, that, Companies take that are direct to consumer versus not. Um, So, you know, often they'll start online. We've seen that time and time again. Then they start to dip into retail. I think the fundamental difference there uh, when they dip into sort of that offline market, uh, opening their own stores, Mm -hmm. is that they have already created that relationship with their audience, right? They actually can decide, make smarter decisions Mm -hmm. about how to do offline retail because they have data. They have that audience. They know where they should open a store, right? They have the audience to be able to push them there. So I think by flipping that model on its head, you've already made a huge difference in one of the biggest challenges that any retailer has, which is customer acquisition, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's sort of the first kind of, oh, interesting to see how that evolved and why that worked versus mm-hmm. like the, the old model. It went this way, right. It went this way. Um, I think... You know, from from my perspective, you have sort of that you know started with the audience, built out th- these relationships, use that to fuel the offline growth. And when you actually take a look at distribution channels, I kind of think of them just as that, right? It's mm. like what are what are the other ways to grow? Well, some do decide to go sort of that wholesale route or do decide to go through other channels for distribution. Yeah. I and mean, they're selling on Amazon. At what point is that exactly. directly to consumer? But in a lot of cases, the way those merchants view do that is not as a primary method of, of selling necessarily, but as a marketing customer acquisition tool is like, let's get exposure via Amazon and figure out ways to continue to drive them back to us. Right. Is that possible? I think it can be possible. I think it really depends. It's hard to generalize. It's hard to talk in broad strokes with this.
0: Um, I think it's probably also very product dependent. Yeah. <laughs> right? For sure. When it comes to your growth, you know, obviously you mm-hmm. want to get more. And that's your job <laughs> mm-hmm. to get more sort of big enterprise, big customers. Mm-hmm. Um, how is how does sort of this shake out? Because obviously it's in your best interest to have all of these DTC brands grow mm-hmm. up, evolve, mature, and then eventually turn into customers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's also a lot of talk now around how much of this is a bubble and mm. not look, not all of them are going to disappear by any stretch of the imagination. Sure. But I think I think it's very hard for a market to support mm-hmm. these many brands mm-hmm. coming up in every category, especially in the very crowded CPG, wellness, mm-hmm. food and beverage categories. It's just, it's impossible. Mm-hmm. There's too many. So there has to be some kind of shakeout. You've already seen a lot of brands simply disappear, mm-hmm. right? They just ah, don't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because in some ways Shopify's health, not, while well, not intertwined with it, is at least related mm-hmm. to how this market does. Mm-hmm. Um, where does it go? Shakeout, Carnage, yeah, I like the word Carnage. Yeah, I
1: mean, I, I wonder how much of it is just that we're now paying attention, right? Um, because Shopify has been operating for a
0: very long time <laughs> right. now. Um, Even though everybody seems uh, to have discovered uh, it last year. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, and like this has been happening for years and years and years and years. People have been starting businesses and businesses have been failing for years and years yeah, and but years. They haven't and been years. getting billion dollar valuations. Uh, they right? absolutely They haven't <laughs> been getting billion dollar valuations. So I think, you know, is it a bubble? I mean, I guess it de- depends on how you define bubble. You know, if we're talking about it's like from an investment standpoint, an attention standpoint, an evaluation standpoint, um, You know, I don't know. Um, it, it, are DTCs going to fundamentally disappear? Well, no, because what we're talking about is brands, right? Um, brands are never going to go away. People love brands. People love stories. People love mission-driven companies, uh, especially now a lot of people, a lot of uh, younger people want something mm-hmm. to latch on to, right? Mm-hmm. Um, me included. You can't just buy
0: popcorn. It has to be
1: popcorn. Uh, absolutely. The- and you know what? I'm going to spend the extra $3 on the popcorn from the <laughs> yeah. company that cares about sustainability or whatever the thing is. Uh, now
0: I really want popcorn, no, by the way. Course. We'll find you some popcorn. <laughs> we might have some sustainably sourced sustainably popcorn. Sustainably sourced popcorn. Wow, that sounded very, very, I don't know, hipster. <laughs> very or, Brooklyn yeah. of us. I like it. <laughs> Um, so then, okay. So then, we don't know if there's a bubble. We don't know what's going to happen. Sure. Um, the investment bit mm-hmm. fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, a lot of money's going into these companies. It Do you is. think that it'll shift? Again, the shifts are interesting because if Unilever is going to try and build more GTC brands, GTC brands are starting to act like Unilever. Mm. We might just get to a point of detente, right? This mm-hmm. might all just end up in the same place, mm-hmm. and that's. And how, what does that mean for then you? By yeah. you, I mean Shopify.
1: By I me, mean, well, I mean if they're all using Shopify. That is great. <laughs> Who are your competitors? So, oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I think it really depends on what we're talking about. You know, I think Shopify has gone through what a lot of companies go through as, as they grow. Is initially you stay pretty focused and targeted on one market, and as you grow, um, you sort of start to expand and you have multiple segments that you're focused on, which is definitely sort of the 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 place we're at at Shopify. Um, you know, we still care a lot about sort of those early entrepreneurs and helping people get started, are investing that. A lot, but we also really recognize that we can really help those bigger merchants, um, the ones that are, you know, really trying to do things, the, the CPGs or the D DDC, to Cs, too many acronyms, D to Cs, and even those more entrepreneurial sort of larger companies that are that are trying to do a little bit more. So I it think could f-
0: be marketplaces and for maybe the super early stage people who are just starting businesses out of their garage, it could be, okay, What? why would they choose to build it when I mean. could build it? It, it could be anything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm definitely not
1: good at predicting the future. Um, Toby, our, our CEO, is much better at it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the um, the interesting piece is going to be, you know, seeing how commerce changes. As it's fueled by consumers, right? Because at the end of the day, um, that's what we're watching, right? Is is you know what are what are consumers actually? Doing, behaving, asking for, looking for, um, and you know how can we understand uh, as as Toby would put the most up to date version of today of the world, mm-hmm. um, so we can actually see you know what it is that we're going to need to do moving forward. So,
0: yeah. I think there has been though a sense going back to this control infrastructure mm-hmm. thing because yeah. I think you know look like publishers were burned for years after putting all their eggs into platform baskets, and mm-hmm. you know they've realized that you cannot rely on other people for your business mm-hmm. and I think retailers in some ways you know realize that you have seen as long as you know. of course Amazon is growing but you've seen a vast majority of brands are saying oh no we won't sell on it we'll sell on by ourselves sure um, and I think in some ways that kind of plays to your advantage, right? Because you're not these are you're not asking anybody to give up their consumers to you. These still no, remain
1: your customers, c- customers. Absolutely, and and we really do champion all of these brands, um, and really do believe in that. You know, there should be more of them, right? Yeah. Um, versus sort of having um, you know a consolidation. There should be lots of options for consumers. And you know, on the flip side of that, entrepreneurs should feel empowered to you know take the thing they made and put it out into the world so and you
0: don't have to be a middleman you could just be the infrastructure yeah so what's what's the vision for Shopify plus what I know you said you're not good at predicting the future but you do (laughs) run marketing for them so you have to have some kind of forecast but kind of what comes next Where do you think, sort of, you Mm. know, plus will grow in the next year, six months? Yeah,
1: I mean, uh, there's a lot of focus areas, uh, you know, across all of Shopify. Much of it is intertwined with Shopify Plus, of course. Um, You know, we're starting to work in a lot of international markets. Plus, specifically, is focused on more English-speaking. Shopify, more broadly, is actually focusing across the board. Um, So we've got teams working on how do we better localize Shopify? How do we work with merchants also in helping them expand globally? Um, That's actually a huge focus for Plus. Uh, And, you know, we've got some products that are rolling out to support this and that have rolled out to support this, like things like multi-currency and and many other features. Um, You know, I think... uh, helping with that global piece is a big one
0: I yeah, think that seems like a good sort of services plus consulting plus yeah, infrastructure
1: yeah because you know to to our conversation earlier is things just get more complex right mm-hmm. um, you know payments are more complex uh, you know how to, how to
0: localize your internal systems that you use get more complex yeah we finally figured out how to sell Digiday memberships in uh, British Pounds just oh, like last week so congratulations it's very difficult are you using Shopify we're not <laughs> we're considering selling our magazines <laughs> Magazine Five, but we could talk great. about that later. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> Perfect. Um, great. Awesome. Hannah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me. And that's all for today's episode of Making Marketing, a show by Digiday. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Adati Sangal. If you like the show, here's what you need to do. Head to your iTunes store, search for a show, Making Marketing, and us a review and a rating, hopefully five stars. It helps new listeners find us. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode.